0: This is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now here's Frank Morano.
2: Good morning, everyone. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Yesterday was primary in a primary day in a couple of states, including. New York State. We now know the general election matchup for governor. There's also a host of other legal, political and policy issues that we're going to tackle this hour and other issues in the news. And I can't think of three people with more expertise that are better suited uh, to do it. I want to welcome first Dr. Frank Sorrentino. He's an award winning political science professor, has been on the <laughs> faculty of uh, a number of universities and been the mentor to a number of prominent folks, including one of my my favorite state supreme court justices, Ron Castarina. He's also the author of several books, including Presidential Power and the American Political System. Dr. Sorentino, it's good to see you.
3: It's
2: great to be with you. Ben. Well, try that again one more time.
3: It's great to be with you.
2: We don't want anybody not hearing you saying it's great to be with me. <laughs> uh, and somebody that's <laughs> so you know, I have to
1: say that too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Somebody that's no stranger to controversy or this radio program is Andrew McKenna, former federal prosecutor and former federal prisoner, also the uh, deputy director of the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, and the author of a terrific book called Sheer Madness. Andrew, it's great to see you again, my friend. Great to see
0: you, Frank. Thank you.
2: And uh, Andrew, in his political hat, was also uh, formally on the executive committee of the Reform Party and on the State Committee of the SAM Party. And still with us, sticking around with us, getting it, we're getting his, our money's worth out of him, is E. O'Brien Murray, a veteran political consultant and crisis communications strategist. You get what you're
1: paying for, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dr. Sorrentino, let me begin with you. Uh, the results in yesterday's primary governor, lieutenant governor, state assembly, any trends that you think we can divine from this? Any major surprises from where you're standing?
3: No, uh, not in New York State. I think uh, Lee Zeldin is uh, the organizational candidate of the Republican uh, Party. He was so much better funded uh, than uh, I think the surprise is Andrew Giuliani doing as well as he did. Uh, basically, I would say without any experience And without any political know-how, except from his father, perhaps, in the name recognition. So I was uh, somewhat surprised. I thought Astorino would do better. Hmm. Uh, And
2: and so the way the map shapes out, it looks like uh, Andrew Giuliani won the five boroughs of New York City. It looks like Rob Astorino won Westchester in the northern suburbs. It looks like Harry Wilson won a few counties upstate. And the rest of the state... ...was just a, a wave for Lee Zeldin. He won Western New York, upstate, uh, downstate, certainly Long Island. Here, speaking of Andrew Giuliani, here's a little bit of his concession speech from last night in which he pledged himself to uh, do whatever he can to help elect the fellow that just beat him, Lee Zeldin.
1: New York truly is at a crossroads, ladies and gentlemen. We're at a time right now where we leave the country in out-migration. We know that. We all know the problems. And we know the solutions. We need somebody with the guts that's going to be able to turn that around, somebody who's going to be able to bring crime down, somebody that's going to give Alvin Bragg that pink slip that he needs on day one of his administration.
2: Uh, Andrew McKenna, you think Andrew Giuliani has a political future after this? What's your take?
0: Well, I think he's a pretty savvy guy. Um, and is Frank Sorrentino Said I can't believe I'm sitting at a table with Frank Sorrentino. We're just in the green room. I didn't know your last <laughs> name was Sorrentino, and this guy's a, a rock star. But uh, no, I I think he does. I think he has good energy, and I was surprised to see him get nearly a hundred thousand um, compared to Zeldin's what 140 thousand votes or whatever it was. Is that correct? Yeah, ball ballpark, ballpark. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think he does. I you know he's got the right name and depending on which circles you're in. So, yes.
2: Uh, Obi, uh, Dr. Sorrentino alluded to the issue of, of money, which benefited Zeldin. guy that spent a ton of money and finished last out of the four Republicans is Harry Wilson. Um, what was it about Wilson's campaign that uh, didn't seem to resonate? Unlike a lot of candidates, he really can't blame lack of resources for well, failure it, to get a message it, out.
1: Let's look at the money. Where was it spent? It was spent against Lee. So that, that was trying to bring Lee's numbers down. It actually helped. If you look at the numbers, it's 44 did, nobody had Lee at 44. If you had Lee at 44, they could they can work with you because they can teach everything. I mean, I mean, who had Lee at 44? Did anybody come to the show before tonight? To I don't this? think so. No, it wasn't there. So the 44 outperformed across the board, I think, for that point. Andrew's got a future in TV and and him coming second. I've always thought he was a flat – whatever his number it was because he had no money to go up or down with at that point. Harry spent his money against Lee. It didn't work and every dollar. Lee should write a check to Harry for part of that money. As a thank you, and with a big note, thank you for all the name ID across this state. The governor should be worried about that because every dollar that was spent against Lee helps him in the general. Right. Let, let me You're ask you guys because it portrayed him as a moderate. No, close to Cuomo. Right. Too at the same time, right. like, like it was. A, it was like that, that. He voted against. He, he wasn't just a hard, hardened Republican. Right. It was at the time when Cuomo was good for the state, as far as people are concerned, upstate. Cuomo's numbers bear that out. That's where Lee was with Cuomo. Mm-hmm.
0: Compared to you guys, I'm a novice in this particular area. That's the one to watch out for. (laughs) I know. So uh, does Zeldin have a chance?
2: Yeah, well, that's the next question I was going to ask. How do you guys handicap the general? I'll begin with you, Dr.
3: Sorrentino. Well, one of the problems that Zeldin has is a lot of the population of New York has left. Not, you know, we're not talking millions and millions, but in a close election, and I think it could be a close election – In terms of crime, in terms of taxes, in terms of the management of the state, I think there is a case that can be made against uh, Governor Hochul uh, and the legacy of Andrew Cuomo, but he may be missing a couple hundred thousand votes And uh, that could be significant. Uh,
2: That is interesting. By the way, if people have questions for our illustrious panel on either legal issues, political issues, or policy issues, now's the time. 800-848-WABC. Obi, what about what Dr. Sorrentino brings up, that the kind of voter that would have voted for a Republican has moved out of the state, maybe to places like Florida or the Carolinas or Arizona? Any truth to that? Doesn't
1: matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. How do you get your 30% in New York City as a Republican? You and I talked about this mm-hmm. when, I was in the air when I was down South Carolina in October after one of the debates, one of Curtis's right. debates. I think um, he didn't do thirty, and you remember you and I? Yeah, when he, I, we did, talking, he did twenty-seven and a half. He did thirty, baby.
2: Yeah, you had a man <laughs> and, around
1: twenty, and he didn't have the conservative line. No, but no, the, but him plus conservative didn't even get you there. And the numbers it, take where he got his votes from. Put that out in a general election in a even number, even number here, of course, but not the presidential election. Where are those numbers going to come from Democrats, too? So his numbers was at a ceiling for number of votes, but Nicole didn't get it. And she ran against an incumbent that people didn't like. And and here you're trying to do the same thing against Governor Hulkle, who, if they're trying to make the case against her, what do they like about her? So before we even talk about upstate, tell me how near if, – if, if you got – it's all numbers and where it balances out. If you had 70 percent upstate and you got 20 in New York City, you're still gone. So it doesn't matter. It's all pluralities. And the other issue, I think, if you ever look at this, is <clears throat> the governor upstate. If you are a re- white Republican Buffalo Bills fan, you're voting for her. Mm. Right. That whole Erie County area and George Pataki. I worked for I worked for the state committee in '94, in '93, '94. So I had Rudy's campaign here in the city. Uh, uh, Pataki's next year up, up at the state committee at Albany. Bill Powers, fantastic state chairman at this point. Uh, looking at history there and. Erie County, Tom Reynolds that night, said to George Pataki, you won. It was like with Bob Turner when, when Dove, H- Dove Hyken came into the, the uh, office with, with Ed Koch there and Pete King and said, oh, but you won. I said, I look at Bob. He goes, how do you know? He goes, you got – Bob Turner got more votes in Dove's hu- home district than Dove. Mm, yeah. And no. from that point on, I turned to Mayor Koch. and said, you want to go on stage and do this thing? And it was a turnout. It was a local turnout. Like New York City, how do you get those voters – And if Lee can't get – and again, I say near 30. It's always – it could be 27, 28, 29. Statewide, they never do it because to get the message upstate, you turn off New York City voters. Right, Right. And you have to figure out how you do that. It's plurality. And then so Lee's got Nassau and Suffolk set up. If I was Lee, good night, honey. Take care of kids. Tuck them in. Come see me. I will never be back in Long Island between now and the election.
0: So it's got to be the it's got to be the crime issue then. Right. That's the only way he's going to overcome no
1: because New York City, crime issue. When you go too far as Republican, New York City, you have the issue then about the jails and then you've got the the independence. It it, it becomes a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. then too, because you've got bail reform, which gets you the independent issue. And then if you're against bail reform with what happened, yes, bail reform was a mess the way it was done, but it it is slippery slope because it's not just crime. It is the coronavirus, and it is the, the communities. And when I was working for Michelle, we were, I was out in, in Queens in Elmhurst. We were in line with men and women look, waiting for food in the food pantries, and they were concerned about getting their jobs back. But now they're worried about their health and the side effects of corona. I mean, all these things. So, I mean, so it sounds like uh, you need that. The Republicans have to get in those communities. In the, the Latino vote is up for grabs, up for grabs. I'm not sure that Lee and the party right
3: now have a plan to do that. That gets you there. Well I think there's we have to realize that Kathy Hokel's not a bad politician. She knows how to co op large numbers of mm. voters. Uh you mentioned Erie County with the with the stadium. I mean, it's hard to justify spending six hundred million dollars mm. to build a stadium for the for the for the Buffalo team. But she does that. She also co opted the state unions. Uh it used to be upstate New York, you had jails, you had colleges, you had mental health institutions. Uh, there's where the jobs are, and those unions tend to be very pro-Democrat. Now, they may be open on the crime issue. They may be open on the schools' issues. But I think uh, when you see the amount of money she's going to have from Wall Street, from the uh, from the unions, I think she's going to be a very difficult candidate to beat. But- but yeah, also I mean state, I think that's the consensus. The Hudson right?
1: Valley though, who's from the Hudson Valley? Delgado. So as Republicans are in the Hudson Valley, what is he gonna push the numbers up or down for? And it's plurality. Mm-hmm. As a Republican, I said thirty. You got, you're at Nassau and Suffolk, you gotta to have to get in your sixty percent. The plurality to make up the loss in New York. Hudson Valley the same. You go further north, you get maybe fifty five in the Hudson Valley type thing they talk about. You go north you gotta get even higher because it's a plurality. As you said there's fewer people there. That's running the table up there. And crime is a major issue, no question about it. But it's got to be more than just crime. Yeah, the solutions, what do you be do. Nuanced, right? And, and don't, mm-hmm. Curtis did great in the Asian communities. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that was a, a great community. And they turn out, and the Latinos turn out. It's got to be enough in the city for the Republicans to grab to get that plurality down. It's going to
2: be interesting. One of the things that I see potentially hurting uh, Zeldin a great deal um, this year that wouldn't have been the case had he run four years ago is the uh, the abortion issue. With the decision by the uh, Supreme Mm -hmm. Court in the Dobbs case to sort of kick uh, the abortion issue to the states, you have a lot of uh, pro-choice voters in New York that may be a little reluctant to elect a, a pro-life conservative as, as governor, uh, Andrew, as a uh, former prosecutor and a former attorney yourself. Any any insight on, on in terms of either the legal rationale behind Justice Alito's decision or the political ramifications as you see it?
0: The problem with Roe was it was a terrible legal decision. It wasn't based on anything in the Constitution or in this country's history uh, or in England's history, for that matter. It was made-up law, basically, and it it was judges legislating is what it was. So I was surprised that it it lasted as long as it did, and I'm pro-choice, okay? So I'm not making the arguments either way. I'm just saying it was a terrible opinion, and it was easy for Alito to slice that up. And, and, you know, and bring everybody with him. Um, so he didn't bring chief justice. No, but that's Roberts. I mean, he's not, you know, <laughs> look what he did with Obamacare. right? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh,
1: he did it with Sarbanes-Oxley before that.
2: It was a case I brought up before the Supreme Court.
1: Did oh, you, is that right? Yeah. Do, what do you see happening, uh,
2: Dr. Sorrentino, on the political ramifications of this now that it is a state issue? Well, I
3: think it again, it's not going to favor uh, the Republicans in New York state. It could favor Republicans nationwide, but in New York State, it's a very, very pro-choice state, and what you might get, even though it might be through distortions, people think that abortion itself is in jeopardy, so they're going to be able to raise a lot of money. They're going to be able to intensify their vote and have a larger voter turnout, and I think that could hurt not only Zeldin, but it could hurt uh, Republican mm. candidates uh, for Congress in New York State. Uh,
1: Obi, you uh, what's your take? I just pulled up some numbers here now. Just, um, these numbers don't lie. Cynthia Nixon, four years ago, how many votes do you think she got?
2: In the primary, the I primary. guess uh, she would have gotten, I'm going to guess, uh, uh, 200,000.
1: 537. Really? Wow. What did Hulk will get tonight? Uh, 574. Wow. That, that would so, be a scary number to me. So that's how
2: much bigger the turnout was for governor four years ago than today.
1: Now again, it was September. People knew right. about it. All these things, but we just had a month ago the Supreme Court case. The decision leaked. Motivating factor: You had the the the, the uh, Second Amendment uh, decision this week. You had the abortion issue this week, and you had a chance to vocalize it today or yesterday, Tuesday.
0: And a lot of freedom religion, freedom of religions uh, decisions. Coming but the up.
1: Democrats didn't. Sh- I, I'm just. I, I'm not. I'm looking at it live on. You just saw me with the, the, the computer. They didn't show up. 863,000 voters showed up in the Democratic primary. Four years ago, no early voters. So uh, Four you... years ago, it's tough to absentee ballot.
2: Yeah, so you think that lack of enthusiasm on the part of Democratic primary voters could inure to Zeldin's benefit I think that's in a benefit to Zeldin all Interesting. Right that, that's interesting. And also,
1: yeah. don't forget, Zeldin has the benefit now, too, of working between now and August on a primary with other people's money. Even in a public? general? No. Congressional primary. Oh, I see. You okay. have a gotcha. primary upstate. You have uh, one, two. You got New York one, right? Yeah. Me, how many of these guys are going to campaign with Lee? He's uh-huh. the Republican. They'll right. Sure, that's he'll right. Get the, he'll just keep that
3: going That's too. interesting. But uh, you also have a situation called like the issue du jour. Right now it's hot. Uh, two months from now, a lot of people may not feel with the same intensity that they did uh, in this uh, this past week. So the problem uh, that the Democrats are going to face is that can they sustain uh, this uh, popularity that people fear the end of abortion, they want to be pro-choice, all of that's working for them. But, you know, November is still a long time away, and things can change. The gun laws, I think, are also significant, uh, but again— We've always known, you know, gun control, when you ask on polls, they poll very well. But people don't tend to vote highly on gun control except for the people who favor guns. Mm.
1: When you talk about polling very well, you mean do you vote on the issue? Do you, when you ask are the most important issues, it comes to the top. What are you talking about there, sir? Well, so, the
3: the idea is that right now abortion's hot. Right now gun control's hot. Mm. You know, after Uvalde, it also is hot. But those things tend to fade a little bit. Now, will they be able to sustain that level of interest, that level of voter intensity? I'm not sure because it hasn't worked always in no. the past. And there's a disparity here because the polls show 55 to 60 percent of Americans
0: didn't want Roe touched, but they you're saying and I have to think that's a
2: much higher number in New York too.
0: Right. and I would agree right, and I agree with that. But Obi, you're saying they didn't turn out.
2: I just I'm just looking at
1: numbers.
0: Yeah. Numbers you're you talk about polls? Yeah, but Dr. Sorrentino's right. I mean is, if this fizzles out, and I believe the gun control piece will fizzle out and I think they found some, some reasonable middle ground recently in Congress. But will abortion fizzle out between now and
2: November? It's yeah. going to be interesting. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll try and squeeze in some of your calls when we return. Eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Andrew McKenna is here. Dr. Frank Sorrentino he, is here. And E. O'Brien Murray is here. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead.
4: WABC.
1: It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano,
4: 77 WABC.
2: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Murano, uh, joined in studio by three members of our illustrious Midnight panel. Distinguished political science professor, Dr. Frank Sorrentino, the author of the book Presidential Power and the American Political System. Uh, distinguished former prosecutor and former federal prisoner, Andrew McKenna, the author of the book Sheer Madness. And uh, distinguished veteran political consultant and crisis communication strategist, E. O'Brien Murray. Uh, by the way, I do want to... Uh, I do want to play for you a clip of Al D'Amato on the uh, John Katsimatidis show on Friday, or maybe it was Thursday of last week. This deals a lot, a little bit more about where the national Republican Party is. And this is uh, Senator D'Amato saying that the guy to deliver the GOP back to the White House in 2024 isn't Donald Trump, but it's another guy that's been getting a lot of attention. This is Senator D'Amato from Thursday's edition of the Cats at Night show. Listen to what he said, and then I want to get you guys to comment on this.
4: Let me say this to you. And Ron DeSantis should be our next candidate for president, okay? Trump, we need him in Florida. Get you your time. Get your ego in. Well, he'll never get his ego under control. He's not going to be able to win. All he can do is cause disruption in the Republican Party. All he cares about is himself. Enough is enough is enough. You had your turn. You blew it. You could have won the election. But you listened to a bunch of idiots. You sent uh, 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 Giuliani to the Ukraine. You talked to the president on the phone. You allowed—all you had to do is show Joe Biden in front of the uh, very famous— committee in New York bragging, bragging about how he blackmailed the Ukraine, how he got them to stop the investigation of his son's company when he said, unless you, within the next six hours, fire that prosecutor, the prosecutor in Ukraine who was going after Biden's company, his son's company, I'm going back and you're going to lose the billion dollars. And then he laughs, And he says, guess what? They dropped it. So there was the campaign right there, not to send Giuliani and a bunch of criminals over to the Ukraine and create this whole thing about yourself. What a jackass. He ran a terrible campaign and he and he has himself and the idiots that he listened to to blame.
2: Uh, Al D'Amato there holding back uh, nothing <laughs> in terms of criticizing not only President Trump or Mayor Giuliani. Certainly no love lost there between Mayor Giuliani and Al D'Amato. What about his broader point, though, that the future of the GOP is not Donald Trump, who's seen as a rock star with a lot of the base, but is, in fact, Ron DeSantis, who's also very popular, who's up for reelection this year. Uh, Dr. Sorrentino, what do you yeah, think? Yeah,
3: I, I think there's a lot of truth to that in the sense that uh, – Donald Trump does very well with hardcore Republicans. He does less well with independents and very little with Democrats. Now, there are some Democrats who are actual conservatives, but uh, DeSantis doesn't have the baggage that uh, Trump has. And I think uh, we have a concerted media effect and the Democratic Party in Congress – uh, has made a very strong effort to delegitimize Trump, delegitimize him as a human being, as a character who has the integrity for for the presidency. Now, they'll attack DeSantis if he were to get the nomination, but the Trump has a head start, and he may not be the most effective candidate for the Republican Party.
2: Obi, what do you think about D'Amato's comments there?
1: Alphonse. Brilliant man who loves to share all his thoughts. And you know he's an expert on everything. And he didn't hold back. <laughs> but I, I, I'm just saying, the, there are things that anybody around everybody will say and not say and so forth. And he decided to share everything he thought. And Alphonse shared it. I mean, yeah. it just, it's just, I, I can't sit there and say right, wrong, and different at this point, differently. It's, it's his thoughts of where he stands. And that changes quite a bit because DeSantis, he's saying today, And what if somebody else rises? We've we've had Nikki Haley's name out there. You've got Pompeo's name out there. You've got a number of others out there at one time or another. If you look what happened with Russia at at CPAC, there was an issue about what Pompeo had said about Russia before. And then the split from from President Trump and so forth. And you don't know what's going to come out of these hearings, too. Who gets what attached to them and the president could be good or bad among the party faithful, among the moderates, among the independents, Democrats, and where that goes, too. Did somebody – Defend the president and, and going to have to pay a price for it? Did somebody not defend the president and pay a price for it? Right.
0: And then how long they can keep that alive up until 2024, right? But can DeSantis unite the party? Is he monitored enough to bring in some of the Trumpsters and some of the more center-leaning
1: The, the, the word that you hear quite a bit on DeSantis, not politically but operationally, is almost uh, Harris, Vice President Harris' problem with the staff. mm uh, the number of chief of staffs he's had, the number of top staff and so forth, which is indicative often about an operation, which I have always found uh, that you want to have enough leadership that you have strength and freshness and new ideas and you're not just sycophants around somebody. And I get a lot of credit or a lot of blame for cult the way I see it in the room. But outside, you got to be in line. Yeah. Uh, the question becomes how does how do you run something when you keep on having new people at the top and they disappear you right, know, it looks like, like a lack of leadership from DeSantis is what. But if you dealt with me as a chief of staff, and then you dealt with Frank as like, I'm gone. You have no connection to everybody for well, longer Well, I've worked terms.
2: at radio stations where that's well, the case,
1: where they go through staff. when well, you're talking about a quickly. two, three, four year campaign. You've got a supporter that's going to throw a fundraiser or, or do something or an issue thing, and you disappear, and then they've got to start a new relationship, and they're like, I'm not going to do it then. And how, many, how much money disappears that way for a fundraising? How much how many union organizations disappear cuz they can't keep on dealing with the same staffer
0: but wouldn't that same issue backfire on trump look at during his presidency how many you know uh, department of defense chiefs that he fired
1: or the thing i uh, i was at trump tower in december december 2013 i was there with you okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> was there, no it was, it was 13 yeah i was there
2: december and, 13 and,
1: and you know it is indicative of the bet tonight with rob Astorino, but if you recall There was a chairwoman from Yates County, Mm -hmm. small county, but a loud voice. And she said, I haven't heard from Rob. Rob Astorino was running for governor. It was already December. It was November. He had won. He was going to run. I haven't heard. There's 62 phone calls to make. Leave a voicemail. You do that in a half a day tops. Rob hadn't done that. And she, she spoke out. And President Trump sat there listening and that. His abortion conversations, his Second Amendment conversations, those weren't what we hear today. He is – but he was with the people and speaking.
2: But so where does that relate to the presidential race?
1: No, because Trump is himself talking to those people versus a DeSantis, and you've got chief of staff, and, and he is one of the very few people I've seen in politics that maintains that direct relationship with all those people. So,
0: uh, so does DeSantis then have an optics problem versus where Trump doesn't because Trump's himself.
1: It's an operational problem because you don't see it, you hear it, and if I can't get the schedule, I can't do the fundraiser. It's just you have to have a continuity of leadership, not just from the candidate, but messaging and so forth. If you're picking a front runner
2: though among the Republican side, is it still is it still Donald Trump or is it Ron DeSantis? Well, I,
3: I think it's going to be a real problem if uh, Donald Trump wants the nomination. I think it's going to be very hard to deny him the nomination. The question then becomes, can he win? Uh, maybe. But there's, a I think, a better chance that DeSantis could win. But could, DeSantis could only get the nomination if Trump defers and decides not to run. And here you have uh, political uh, egos at stake. And from Trump's point of view, it's hard to see him not wanting it. And if he wants it, it's going to be very difficult to deny him in the Republican Party. I'd have to agree with him.
2: Yeah. Well, let me ask you where what we saw yesterday plays into that. There was another edition of the January 6th uh, committee hearing Uh, This one was I mean, look, they've all been kind of damning to President Trump because there's not really a a pro Trump voice on the committee or uh, presenting evidence. But yesterday we heard from Cassidy Hutchinson, who was an aide to Mark Meadows, President Trump's former chief of staff. And she described a scene in which President Trump uh, wanted to go to the Capitol and a Secret Service agent wasn't wasn't driving to the Capitol, and this is what uh, Cassidy Hutchinson claimed she saw regarding President Trump and President Trump for his perspective. He's denied this.
4: The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel.
2: So uh, she then also claimed that uh, the president was okay with People that were armed coming into the area because, as she quoted President Trump, they weren't here to hurt him. And, again, Trump uh, himself uh, posted on his social media network, Truth Social, that what she said was completely inaccurate. But this is someone that worked in the White House. You could see the Oval Office from where her office was not a Democrat, not a never-Trump Republican. This is a senior aide to Mark Meadows, a young woman who, uh, whose credibility was vouched for by President Trump's other former chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. Uh, Dr. Sorrentino, you're the author of the book on presidential power. What damage to President Trump's long-term political prospects and his legacy are these hearings doing?
3: Well, uh, it's certainly creating a, a damning narrative the problem is that we have 2,000 years of Roman, British, American jurisprudence, and we're saying that hearsay evidence is going to be valid, and we're going to listen to it. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean it doesn't resonate and doesn't have an impact. But I think, uh, you know, she didn't see this actions.
1: The thing, did you hear President Trump's answer to that? He, he, he said those words himself— I- it wasn't a statement. It was in his words, if I'm not mistaken. Today he said these, which goes back to what we said before about the Governor DeSantis, and the President. The old story in politics was, you know, when you're saying something, let your staff say it as quotes by spokesperson, so forth. So going back to the 2016, would so be 15 New Hampshire primary time frame, when it was a question about Trump, President Trump being Kennedy Trump then being pro-choice or pro-life, and there was an ad running. I think he spent about a million dollar budget on an ad saying he was pro-choice, and they had proof of it and backup, and there was questions about party registration, little things like that. He issued a tweet. The million dollars evaporated. Just like that, there was no way. It was almost worse, better than Teflon. It just disappeared. They wasted their money. Today, he said that she wanted to come work for him in Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. and he turned her down. Now, that changed the whole dif- discussion mm-hmm. on who somebody is saying is. Now, Secret Service can't come speak. We respect that. But I've also – everything I've known about Secret Service in the past, and I've never been in the way – I don't do administrations. I can't stand that kind of bureaucracy. I, it's not going to be me. But don't they always say that the president can tell them basically where to go unless there's a threat to their life or something of that sort? They can't go. I mean he, we want to stop like, – especially unplanned stuff. And there's, there's certain latitudes. For them to tell the president not to go, they, she, did not, she did not say why. And if they said, Mr. Brent, you can't go. Your life is at risk. Wouldn't she have heard or said that from that same thing and then she would have said those words? Yeah, and apparently
2: before I get you to weigh in, Andrew, apparently the Secret Service says it is willing to testify about the the bombshell allegations made by uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. The agency said it's willing to respond on the record to the House January 6th Select Committee about the allegations uh, during this uh, last minute hearing. You heard what uh, Hutchinson said there. Trump responded to the allegations calling – hutchinson's testimony quote sick and fraudulent so we'll see what the secret service has to say about this so it sounds like you think obi that ultimately the political effect of this is de minimis
1: it's interesting i think people asked me about this before so this on record but basically the question is what the democrats are trying to achieve here are we talking about investigations and see where it goes Are they looking at trying to make sure the public pays attention? Because if you look at the polls, I think Stephanopoulos quoted a poll on his show, and it was very minimal numbers, almost single digits of people paying attention. Repetition gets people to pay attention and so forth. So where is this going, and is this going to then injure the president in such a way that he can't run, which then hurts the Democrats? I mean if they want him up there to run and then hurt the Republicans, they're hurting themselves. Or are they going to try to invigorate him and want to be the guy that runs to clear whatever name, record, or attacks there are? I, just which which way is that going to go? Mm. And and Republicans, Democrats, anybody, he's a real estate guy. He needs an exit strategy. You buy the building across the street, you're going to refinance. You're going to sell it. You're going to renovate it give the man an exit strategy and then you can figure out where he might get for the offer. Uh,
2: Andrew, uh, no shortage of legal issues the Trump team has to deal with. You have his issues here in New York State where the Attorney General's office is going after him. You have his issues in Georgia where they're going after him down there. You have the supposed conspiracy to name false slates of electors and then you have uh, the, you know, the, what exactly happened on uh, January 6th. Do you think this all kind of snowballs to a point that makes uh, Trump uh, unable to run or or unwilling to run in 2024? Do you think he's going no matter what?
0: No, I think he's going no matter what. And two two points. If he can spin, first of all, whether that that woman with that wonderful voice, by the way, what she said (laughs) uh, is true or not, it doesn't matter. If he can spin this as it's Trump being the cowboy, that's exactly what his base loves. And, and he's not going to lose anything over that. With his legal troubles, I can't imagine what his legal bills are. Uh, those are going to be challenges up until the day of the election. I don't think it's going to stop him from running or stop him from doing well.
1: How, how is this different than Vice President Pence not getting in the car and leaving the Capitol and the president wanting to go to the Capitol?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the vice president's life was at risk. That They basically they ran they, they 40 feet away, they, they announced now. And the vice president would not get in the vehicle and leave because he didn't want to be seen leaving. I didn't hear about the Secret Service throwing him in the vehicle and driving away.
0: I think they're going to leave Pence alone for the most part because he you know, certified the vote. And I think that they're just going to continue to pound Trump. But I, I don't think it's going to matter. I was
1: speaking for the Secret Service and not against it, but oh. the fact that the, the testimony today didn't address why and where and if the vice president's going to stay at the Capitol and not leave, right. if, even if though he the, can disregard the Secret Service the, said we have to leave. the Secret Service, why said no. can't
2: Donald Trump? But, right. That but, makes but sense.
3: This mm. is the problem when you don't have a due process on a congressional committee. Uh, you don't have people questioning her. You don't have Trump being able to bring his own witnesses. uh putting no cross-examination, No, no cross-examination. And so – But the problem is, I mean, we could see analogies. I mean, what happened to Andrew Cuomo? I mean, Letitia James did a a Star Chamber report. I mean, it may be true, it may not be true, but uh, to hound a governor, and I'm not necessarily saying I'm a fan of Andrew Cuomo, but that's not how you get rid of a governor.
2: Well, it clearly worked. It worked. In this it, case. worked. it
3: worked. Yeah. Whether well, it should be or political. not. Political, yeah.
2: Uh, before we leave the, uh, the the presidential area, I want to ask you about uh, John Hinckley Jr., who's on something of a, a redemption tour. He's got a YouTube channel. He's on Twitter, which even Donald Trump is banned from now. He's uh, a musician. He had a sold-out show in Brooklyn which before the venue ultimately canceled it. And yesterday morning he did his very first TV interview since being uh, t- cleared of all his restrictions. After trying to assassinate President Reagan 41 years ago, this was uh, John Hinckley Jr. on uh, CBS News this mo- yesterday morning.
4: I went to the the Washington Hilton Hotel, and he came out from giving a speech, and I was right there, and I fired shots at him, which so unfortunately hit other people too. Do
0: you have any recollection of that feeling at that moment?
4: No, none. I don't. It's such it's such another lifetime ago. I can't tell you now the emotion I had. You know, right as he came walking out, I just can't tell you that.
0: Mostly, that is something you can't remember. Right. Because you don't want to remember
4: it. Maybe, maybe. But you're right. It's something that I did. I don't want to remember. Where's the remorse? It was all just so traumatic. Uh,
2: your reaction, uh, Ob, I'm on the appalled. I'm appalled on the <laughs> Redemption the Tour.
0: I, I mean, really Ill. mental illness is real, and that's exactly what it was in his case. He did. His, he was
2: found not guilty due to uh, I, temporary right.
0: and insanity. He, and he did his time. So one of the greatest advancement
1: you know? men in politics on the Republican side, Rick Ahern, was with the president that day. I got to work with Rick in upstate New York and race for Doug Hoffman, uh, the least now the least phonic district. Special election 2009. Rick was up there. I had never worked with him before. heard great things about him. And he talks about in the – he was in the vehicle holding parts of the secret servicemen that had gotten shot. And they were supposed to go to a place, at one of the local hospitals, and they were waved off because it was supposed to be for the president. And Rick pushed it through and basically told the secret service – no, we're going – like that was it. I mean this was a real thing for real people, and you don't hear that in that man's voice or
2: his words. Uh, Andrew, it sounds like you're a little more understanding of uh, Hinckley's mental health condition.
0: Listen, what he did was awful. Awful. And murders are, or attempted murders are committed every day. And this was Ronald Reagan. But Hinckley was and very well might still be mentally ill. And if treatment is the alternative. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been punished, but even uh, the time that he served, and people can say, well, it was in Club Fed, it was in the mental part of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Let me tell you, that's that's hellish, no matter where you are in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just saying that, you know, the man did his time. It's awful. Maybe we can learn something from what happened.
1: But during his time, I mean, there was no time because. Right, no prison time. There's no prison time. There was no, there was no right. sentencing time. What, what I'm just looking at the, the broader context is is this more evidence he shouldn't have been out on? If he, if he doesn't show remorse or, or things right, of that He should be free of all these restrictions. If I ran to him on the street, am I, am I in danger? Now, I'm not the president, and I'm not, you know, there's other things, and mental health in this country has a problem. We all know yeah, that, and that, I, we all
3: have to say that. I think he did ask for forgiveness over and over in that interview. Okay. But I think it's symptomatic of what's wrong with the culture. Uh we have large numbers of people who are mentally ill and we don't really know how to deal with them. Uh and they commit awful actions at times. And we have to find some way of reconciling this. I felt pity for him in that interview. I didn't feel the anger. I knew that he, what he did was horrible. It was right? and I
0: understand the, I understand uh you know the outcome of, of his crime. What I'm saying is his liberty was significantly restricted and he didn't have the freedoms that we all enjoy. So for a very, very long substantial time, I'm just saying but talk, I agree but, but, well, with Dr. And, and, Sorrentino. It's, it's and, systemic of what's wrong in the country. Well, and Jim Brady
2: never Jim did Brady again. never had you the know same. and then ultimately he died,
0: right? But um which re- is re- absolutely tragic. I'm not arguing with that right. point. Uh, yeah. Just but to but no, uh,
2: no, To piggyback on the mental health issue that Dr. Sorrentino raised, that goes hand in hand with an issue that you've done a lot of work on, Andrew. That's the the, the country's drug problem, right? Uh, We saw the numbers come out last month that the nation's drug-related overdose and death epidemic continues to worsen uh, from December 2020 to December 21, 107 deaths due to drugs, uh, a new record. Uh, Why is everybody on drugs, Andrew?
0: Well, I'll tell you in a... a my opinion in a minute, but I remember six years ago going on Fox and friends and then coming right over here and being on your show. And the number was around 66,000 and now we're at 107,000. So the New York times, not my favorite paper, but they had an interesting article the other day on the levels of THC now and dab oils and marijuana cannabis products. And, uh Dr. Sorrentino and I were talking about this before the show. Teenagers, we're talking about concentration levels in 95%. Teenagers are having psychotic episodes. There's evidence of um, neuropsychological damage that is going to last potentially years and years and years. And uh, the reason, in my view, is that people are escaping from things. People are not, especially young people, but I, I see it in my peer group. And I'm 53, so it's people that are not wanting to deal with reality and not getting the help that they need when they need it. We still have a massive stigma with mental health, with addiction, substance use disorder. People have to ask for help. Why are people escaping?
2: Anything you want to add there, Dr. Sorrentino?
3: Uh, yeah, I think that the whole problem is that we accept the paradigm that the mental health professionals give us. And while I think they're working hard, they're trying to do what's right, but they've decided on a pharmacology that's going to solve all our problems. We don't have to uh, put people out of society. We can give them these drugs. We know that they don't always take their drugs. We know that the, we don't know what the long-term effects of these drugs. So I think we're we're flying uh, without a net, and I think it's very, very dangerous. Uh I think the Hinckley situation is a very, very sad situation because I think people are escaping things that they don't understand anymore. It's not only the recreational drugs that are happening. It's the disillusionment of the family. It's high crime. It's trying to find meaning in society. And I don't want to promote that John Hinckley represents all of that. But I think he is symptomatic of the mental health issues that we're facing the, today. The
1: example I would use, and, and you would know a lot more, but the one that comes current to me in New York is a newly elected official up in Harlem who served time in prison mm. and he shows incredible remorse. I actually tweeted against Brian Benjamin when Brian Benjamin was up there for something going on there. I think he was swearing in after, he won, after uh, Gibbs had won the special election. And it was political. as was a shot. You know, you, you try to be nice on stuff. I, I hit hard. Yeah, and go I, for it. Right. I got a pretty good reputation. Yeah, exactly. You know, Frank, I mean, people don't, yeah, good all that stuff. Stuff. But good stuff. I was what Gibbs had done up there and talked about time he served and a great man to then work with with you and others about what should be done in prisons. Because when you go when they go to prison, there's a punishment and it's a time. And when you come out, come out worse because of what transpires. No, it's supposed to be rehabilitated. E- even if it's not rehabilitative, how about not making it worse like right. this, whatever, and then help from there for a period of time. But he his contrition and his is emotion and I mean, you could feel it. And and, and you and I have talked. uh, There's an arc of various things, and just that little soundbite. And you said Hinkley apologized, but the arc still sounds like it's not completed. Mm -hmm, And 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 the thing about it too, there's no restrictions on anything, movement or other. What about taking someone like that who has, if he still has mental problems of sorts? And not letting him do media interviews. Yeah, I mean, what well, he's actually—he's actually going to be
2: appearing on Alec Baldwin's show later today. <laughs> no, no, on Alec. By Baldwin's the way, but why,
0: why should he not be allowed to do media? Well, because
1: no, because because sitting in a room like this is pressure. Speaking with you in a private conversation oh. with coffee and drinks, or whatever, isn't as bad. But once you do that and you become more of a celebrity of sorts, you see wackos and you hear things. I mean. Dominic was getting – a month ago or so was getting threats, and we had – I mean different things occur. I know, but we can't the make the
0: medical diagnosis no, no. so long as he didn't have a meltdown in that room that day, no, but which we, he didn't. But,
1: but, the, but what has happened now is everything's free and clear. There's no way to hold it back. So maybe it, You know, there's steps of rehab, and there's things of people who – they're halfway houses and where he had to go. But to let him out in society – and uh, the change uh, judge there was more than one judge, and over time mm-hmm. that happens. But what about saying – You're free and clear, but no media interviews. I mean, it's not unheard of to have blackouts for different things for judges requiring. It's not a limit of free speech. So, no
0: media interviews, OB, because it. Could make him more dangerous? May, no,
1: because it may trigger something. Because think about – And make he,
0: him more dangerous.
1: We, yes. I mean that's, that's the threat to him and society, which is what we're trying to get away from. So you do no median – and then the judge reevaluates six months later. Well, maybe and if you should just let him
0: go to Walmart because I know that raises my blood pressure. Well, when I have to well that there. may be
1: – but you know what? Everyone's got well, – every, <coughs> every crime has different things slope, that they're not right? – But the, the difference is – and this is why I took issue – I didn't say permanently. That's what I'm saying. It, like go out and go live with your family you Have no restrictions on where you can go. And then when you walk down the street, are people doing things and whatever? And when you go on air and if you say something wrong, do people come at you more and then it scares you? Like you're putting yourself up on – on, it creates an opportunity for failure. Let's let him take – keep taking steps forward and keep increasing it if that's, as you said, for mental health and different things that, that we have to help people and get somewhere. But to get too fast in anything in life can be failure. And if you're not prepared to handle it, Will that trigger hurt? My, him my
2: concern when he was performing in the Brooklyn venue uh, and that he was essentially going to get wealthy solely because of his status as someone that almost killed the president was that it could lead to like a Rupert Pupkin situation, these copycat crimes of people that are mentally ill thinking, oh, look, all I have to do is try to kill someone famous, and then 40, 50 years from now, not only will I not have to go to prison, but I could be a famous, wealthy musician. And my concern is that because there are a lot of mentally imbalanced people that are out there, to give someone like Hinkley a platform may not even be the worst thing for Hinkley, as Obi's saying. My concern is that it could be bad for the next Hinkley, whoever that see, is. I can see that. Um, we're going to continue in just a moment. Uh, Dr. Frank Sorrentino is here. Andrew McKenna is here. O- e. O'Brien Murray is here. 800 848 WABC. I know. I keep saying I'll get to your calls. We will make a, 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 a the, give it the old college try when we come back. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead.
0: WABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio, seventy-seven WABC. Now here's Frank Morano.
2: In studio by Dr. Frank Sorrentino, Andrew McKenna, and E. O'Brien Murray. Before I let you gentlemen out of here, I want to get your take on a brewing local political controversy. I get out of here? <laughs> we'll see. You've uh, done a yeoman's job uh, t- this morning, Obi. But this is a brewing local a political papers? controversy and a legal controversy. And it has to do with two New York City mayors, Eric Adams and Rudy Giuliani, on Sunday. Mayor Giuliani was uh, on Staten Island campaigning for his son, and he was in a grocery store and The mayor said he was he was ta- he was slapped on the back and The mayor described a um, an, an attack that 's the word that he used the police came they arrested the person, and um, the, per- the person is being charged. The video came out and it didn't look to me like it was a slap. It looked like it was someone that touched his back. Now, the mayor's version has been supported by an eyewitness. Uh, I believe her name's Miss Ragusa, who completely corroborates the mayor's version of events. Mayor Eric Adams came out yesterday and said that uh, the police and the DA are investigating the wrong guy. They shouldn't be investigating the purported slapper, they should be investigating Mayor Giuliani. When you look at the video, the, the guy basically walked by and, and, and patted him on the back. I don't know if he said congratulations. I don't know what he said to him. But it was clear that he was not punched in the head. It was clear that it didn't feel like a bullet. It was clear that he wasn't about to fall to the ground. Falsely reporting a crime is a crime. Uh, The mayor on his radio show on this station said he didn't file a police report at all. So um, Mayor Adams is a little out of line on that one. And a lot of people heard uh, this fellow um, not say congratulations, but call him, uh, you know, the F word and take issue with uh, the Roe versus Wade decision. Uh, Where do you see this mayor on mayor battle coming down,
1: Obi? It's challenging when you see to well, former leader and one leader in the city right now on this and where the city's going to go and where, wh- why occupy the future of New York when we have so many other things going on at this point? I think Aaron, Mayor Adams was trying to de-escalate this, and, you know. And, and well, he didn't Rudy, have to comment, right? Well, yeah, but, but there's a but there's a comment, but there's a way to go about this stuff and attacking one person over another. It, was this being, being escalated at some point? By Rudy, rightly or wrongly, and the and Mayor Adams said, "Wait a 2nd Let's just get this. Let's mm-hmm. all, you know, he can't stand on a stage and say that necessarily. And the environment and where you speak and your audience is something. But you know, let's just bring this all down. To what reason is there to prosecute? To what reason is there to prosecute Rudy or to pre- threaten? Like, what does this do for anybody? Why take our resources and do it in, in that regard? And everyone decides to be, deserves to be protected, but who are you protecting?"
0: I don't I don't think Mayor Adams should have commented on it. It's it, it uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mayor Giuliani is uh, assaulted or feels like he's been assaulted and he brings it to light. It should be investigated whether or not uh, be, it's could be it's come to light. So a district attorney can send out cops, investigators or whatever they want to do, but it just all seems so bizarre to me that so much attention's happened
2: with it. What'd the employer do? Uh, I, I haven't heard. I, as far as I understand, he's still employed there. That guy ain't working for me. Yeah. Because well, <laughs> rightly
1: or wrongly, a, a
2: customer feels they were sold. Yeah. It. Well, and at yeah. the very least, the customer was cursed at. Yeah. Mm. Mayor, yeah.
3: Mayor Adams, uh, I think, used this for a political benefit. The Giuliani's reputation in the city has deteriorated significantly, and I think it was a cheap shot to go after him. And uh, I don't think it served the city well. I, I think he would have been better off just letting the district attorney of uh, Richmond County make the decision uh, and justify it based upon witnesses. Yeah, so
2: the mayor could have said, Mayor Adams could have said, you know, I trust the DA's office exactly. to investigate and, you know, they do their thing. Instead, it looked like he went out of his way to yeah, make a, it make a, very... a, a cheap shot. Yeah. Very quickly, before you guys get out of here, I want to get your comment on this as well. Um. New York City looks like it's going to be getting casino gambling. Uh, curious, we, we've seen a lot of cities go through this. The voters or the politicians seem to approve this with the highest of hopes. And then a lot of times the realities of where that revenue actually goes seems to fall short of where the revenue was promised to go. Obi, I know you've been I involved. I know
1: nothing about <laughs> casinos. I think <laughs> I was told when I was hired by Steve Wynn, by the guy that worked for there. I wouldn't know how to spell casinos if you spot, spotted me the and, and, and <laughs> well, i I'm not you know? asking
2: you to spell it. I'm asking I you w- what you think the future of New York City is going to look like with casinos and m- maybe even Times Square or Midtown.
1: Oh, I, I think at the end of the day it's, it's going to be terrific. It's going to be tourism. It's going to be jobs. It's going to be tax revenue. It goes to Jersey. It goes other places. When you do it and do it right, it's fantastic. And, I mean, look at if you look at Vegas and what it was and how you create it, it has to be part of it. When I when I worked for Steve and we were at the Golden Nugget and we were at different places, knife and fork across the street was fantastic. And if you built a mousetrap, it's going to be terrific. And if I build a better one, it's going to be better. You better keep up. All ships rise if it's done right. If it's done wrong, it's pitiful. Andrew McKenna, what do you think?
0: I agree with um, OB. I, I think if it's done right.
2: There's nothing more to say.
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> well, no, well, I, I think if it's done poorly, then it's well, tacky and cheesy uh, and crappy. But aside from uh, the
2: architecture, Dr. Sorrentino only had about 40 seconds uh, left here. There's some people that say this is just a tax on the poor. This is a poor tax.
3: Well, it is. Uh, I'm basically libertarian on these issues. People do what they want. But I think it says something about the morality of the city that they're dependent upon taxing uh, poor people to gamble, uh, create disincentives. I'm not sure that this is the best forward this, way forward for this the city. study
1: on casino gambling that was done in Atlantic City and across the state, across the country. I was working for Hilton at that point, Hilton for Arthur Goldberg, and there was a guy asked uh, Dobson said said to this guy in the street, basically, you bought a lottery ticket. You know what the chances of winning? He goes fifty fifty. This literally happened in front of reporters. If I buy it, I have a chance. If I don't, I have no chance. And they thought the guy was homeless with no teeth. Uh, Gentlemen, I want to thank you for uh, your
2: wisdom over the last hour. Let's do this again sometime. Uh, Andrew McKenna, Frank Sorrentino, O.B. Murray, very, very bright guys, very, very pleased to be able to benefit from your wisdom. Hey, we'll take your calls next hour, at least I will, 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Your influence counts. Make sure you use it.
0: Tax day is coming. Oh, no.